Thursday at 10, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Good morning, everyone. You are tuned into another episode of Ben Talks right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I, of course, am your host. I am Ben Lewis. And I hope everyone had a great weekend. And uh, I do want to start off by sending my thoughts and prayers over to the people of Puerto Rico who were and all the Caribbean islands who were ravished and destroyed by the recent hurricanes and all the natural disasters. And I know Mexico has been hit with an earthquake. So I, I just, I do want to say this, anything that you can do to help out anything that you can do to, to make anything better. I, I, I hope that we do. So um, any type of money, any type of goods, anything that you could send over to help out. Um, I hope everyone goes out of their way to make sure that everyone out there is okay. And I know a lot of people, especially here in New York, and in this area where the studio is located um, in the Bushwick community have family members in Puerto Rico and in Mexico. So my thoughts and my prayers go out to them. And I hope that we all can come together in this moment to help out those in need. Now, I have a jam packed show. I have a lot of things that I want to get into, a lot of things that I want to talk about. And I'm just going to let you guys know. I just may be talking for the entire hour. I do like to get into music, but so much happened this weekend that I just don't see anywhere in my little program here that I can get a break in. So I'm going to just go for it. And uh, if you're sensitive, if you're faint of heart, if you get uncomfortable easy, then I'm going to tell you to put the volume down. I don't want you to to tune away. Um, I do want you to still give me the rating. (laughs) But jokes aside, 
If you do want to help out Radio Free Brooklyn in any sort of way, you can do so by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. And from there, you can donate to the station, uh, either a monthly pledge or a one-time donation. Either way, we say thank you and we'll make the best use of it as possible. Now, I want to get into the first thing on the docket today, which is the comments of the man who calls himself the president of the United States, who, despite everything that's going on in the world, despite everything that's going on in the country, in particular, Puerto Rico, which last time I checked was a United States territory, which means we should be, as a country, helping them out and making sure that they're not going an entire six months without power, which is what is being said that they're going to have to do. No, Donald Trump decided to not address that issue, but get on Twitter as he's been doing before and during his presidency in the United States. Yes, our president is getting into Twitter wars with NBA athletes, with pro athletes. And as much as I respect and admire professional athletes, as much as I you know, have a love for what they do and enjoy watching it just as much as the next person. I feel like they're pretty low on things that government officials need to be addressing. But no, not Donald Trump. No, that's front and center for him. That's on the top of his list, on the top of his to do list. That's that's there for him. So he did two things this weekend. First, remove uh, disinviting the Golden State Warriors from the White House, who last time I checked, they weren't going to go anyway, but he decided to withdraw the invitation because they were, quote, hesitant on making a decision on whether or not they wanted to visit. Like LeBron James tweeted, newsflash, you bum. Nobody was going to go anyway. Who wants to go sit in a White House and talk to you of all people, especially a predominantly black professional league like the NBA, like the NFL, and a predominantly black team like the Golden State Warriors or just about any team in sports, in particular in the NBA and NFL, who would want to go and take this fake photo with this man who has been nothing but selfish, nothing but divisive ever since he came into office? And to make things worse, he goes to Alabama this weekend in a rally to have a rally and Instead of addressing real issues, he's addressing NFL players taking a knee during the national anthem to protest the unjust killings of black people in this country by the hands of the police and law enforcement. That's what this protest is about. But no, him and everyone else who doesn't seem to understand that that's what this protest is about can only focus on the fact that they're sitting down or kneeling down for the oh-so-sacred national anthem and the oh-so-sacred flag. That's what the whole focus has been from the moment that this uh, protest came out, from the moment Colin Kaepernick decided that he was going to take a seat and eventually started to take a knee. That's all the narrative has been. And the media did that. Mainstream media did that because the first thing they did Despite talking to Colin Kaepernick and understanding and him vocalizing the fact that he is taking a knee because he doesn't want to celebrate and be proud of a country 
that constantly is unjustly killing black people in this country on camera, might I add on camera. That's what he was protesting about. And he let that be known from day one. But what did mainstream media do? They went to ask white guys around the NFL. They went to ask white coaches and white owners and white players who maybe didn't even hear that. The reason, hear the reason why Colin Kaepernick was protesting. And the question they asked to set the narrative, to make it about the flag and make it about him not respecting the flag, they ask, oh, how do you feel about Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the anthem or sitting during the anthem? Good job, mainstream media, for immediately taking away the attention from the real issue that Colin Kaepernick was trying to bring awareness to. But you know what? He was not alone. And this weekend, after Donald Trump, addressed the NFL players who decide to protest for these very same reasons that I just mentioned. He referred to them as sons of bitches. Great language from a president of the United States. Absolutely great. Oh yeah. And not to mention the bunch of ignorant people who are in the crowd at this rally clapping and cheering him on and agreeing with his words and agreeing with his statements and the ignorant people who got on Twitter and retweeted what he was saying in agreeance. Good job, everyone. Trying to discourage a protest. And the NFL responded beautifully. I loved how the NFL responded because it was exactly what I felt they should do. Around the league, players taking a knee, locking arms, taking a seat. And the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't even come onto the field for the national anthem which was the most resounding protest of them all. They were not even present on the field. And I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it because the president, who might I, might I add, referred to the white supremacists that gathered in Charlottesville some weeks ago as very fine people. And that's not even paraphrasing. That's exactly what he said referring to white supremacists as very fine people. You know, it doesn't take just black people to understand that if you're a white supremacist, I mean, there are white people who don't like what you're about and don't stand for. But you want to refer to the NFL players who are trying to bring awareness to the situation that is happening in this country, the unfair treatment, the unequal ways, and the unjust killings of black people at the hands of law enforcement around this country that, it, that are caught on camera for the whole world to see that this person had their hands up, that this person was complying with the police, that this person was doing every single thing that a police officer asked you to do during a traffic stop, during any encounter with the police and still getting gunned down and killed in front of their children, in front of their wives, in front of their community, and these police officers walk away and give some bogus story on the stand about how they feared for their life. And when you decide to protest that, you're referred to by the leader of the free world as a son of a bitch. Real classy, Mr. President, real classy.
And to those of you who feel as if, who are so offended and who get so upset at these players not respecting your oh-so-precious anthem and your oh-so-sacred flag. And I got to tell you this, like most people, the first thing I do when I wake up is turn on my phone and go to Facebook, that's my social media of choice, and scroll through the timeline and just look at what's going on, what I might have missed. And I woke up about 8.30, 9 o'clock yesterday morning, I'm looking through Facebook and the very first post I see now, just a little background story about me. I went to a PWI, a predominantly white institution. And the very first thing I saw was from a former classmate of mine who went on a rant about how he is so upset and so offended by these players taking a knee and taking a seat during his oh-so-precious national anthem. And there was a long thread of people saying that they were infuriated that these players have the nerve to take a knee and they should just leave the country if they don't want to respect our flag and our law enforcement and our armed forces and every serviceman. I'm so upset. I'm so offended. Okay, you're offended by players protesting. And you're making the point that these protests won't change anything. Well, I'm going to make two points about this. Number one, a protest, especially a peaceful protest, is done so that people can bring awareness to the fact that there is a law, that there is some sort of inequality, that there is some sort of unfair treatment that is taking place, and that the group of people protesting will no longer stand for it. That's what protests are about. It's not to make you feel comfortable in your shell of white privilege. It's not to make you feel comfortable in, in your world, in your little bubble that you live in, where everything is, is roses and everything is so great and there's sunshine all the time. It's not to make you feel comfortable, Mr. White Guy, who's offended, who probably your biggest issue is that the line is outside the door at Starbucks when you show up. It's not about you being offended. It's about the very reason why you're outraged because you're worried about your oh so precious flag. And how could someone disrespect a country that was so great to me and gave me every opportunity and then some and gave me all this great privilege that I enjoy on a day in and day out basis? Well, how about this? And that person in particular may not be listening, but if someone is listening and they were offended, think about this. You're, you go on social media, you turn on the news, you see your brother, you see your uncle, you see your cousin, you see your dad get choked out or shot by the police when they're doing nothing but following every single instruction that was given to them. You see your mother, your sister, your cousin get brought into the police station and turn up dead and all you're getting is a bogus story about how they committed suicide? Would you be outraged at that? Would that upset you? I'm sure it would. I bet you would be upset then. I bet you'd be ready to march and protest then. Because you don't like the fact that you turn on the TV every Sunday to watch NFL football 
to make you get away from whatever it is that you've gone through during the week. And now these same black players that you enjoy watching, that you pick up on your little fantasy team, that you're probably wearing their jersey as you're being outraged at them protesting, those same black players decide to show that they're much more than just athletes, that they're much more than just football players. They decide to show that they stand for their community, that they will not stand by and let a president disrespect not just them, but every minority group in this country. And every person that is different from the blonde hair, blue eye God that these people claim to be serving. When these players decide to take a stand for themselves and their families and their communities and their children who might be looking up to them and children around the world who are looking up to them, now that upsets you. But if it was you, if you were the one that had to see your father get murdered while you sat in the back seat, if you had to see that, if you had to live through that trauma, then it's an outrage. No, you don't want it in sports because it makes you uncomfortable. You want the protest done somewhere in quiet where you don't have to see it, where you don't have to think about it, where you can continue to act like it doesn't exist. I applaud every single player and owner at that and general managers and equipment managers and everyone who played a part in every single protest that took place around the NFL yesterday. It was absolutely wonderful to see. And I, for one, am happy that a lot of these guys finally decided to join in on the protest after all this time, after staying quiet, after deciding that they didn't want to be a part of it, that they were just going to stay out of it. And a lot of guys finally decided, you know what, what this man just said about us, I can no longer stay quiet. And you know what, it takes some people longer than others to wake up. And come around to supporting certain issues that may be affecting them. And I have no problem with that. And a lot of you did. A lot of you had a problem with Ray Lewis in particular. Who was open about Colin Kaepernick. Not taking a knee and not protesting and saying it shouldn't be done during the anthem. But yesterday was taking a knee alongside Baltimore Ravens teammates. No matter what the reason that he did it. Whether it was for optics whether it was just for for him to try to try to get street cred back with his team, whatever it is that you want to say that it was for, he still decided to stand with us. I don't understand some of you people that have an issue with that. Does it matter when they decided to come on board? Does it matter when some when what it took for them to decide that they can no longer stay silent and not talk about it? Does it really matter? It's the same divisive mentality that causes you to say, oh, you weren't doing it before, so don't do it now. No. Sometimes it takes some people more extreme things than others in order to wake up and see what's going on around them and come around to supporting the issues and understanding that they need to use their platform to try to make a change to try to bring awareness to an issue. And I, for one, applaud anyone who decided to take a stand yesterday. I have no beef with you. I have no problem with you. Come on board, my brother. Join the fight, and let's go forward together 
to try to make the necessary changes so that this does not continue to happen to us, to our children, to our children's children. Let's fight now so we don't have to fight so hard later. Let's not push those away who finally decided to come on board. I'm more than happy to have you. And that's all I got to say about that. <sighs> now, another thing that uh, came up over this past week, there was, like I said, there was been, there's been a lot that's come up over the past week, especially over this weekend. And there's another thing I really, really wanted to address. And again, I spoke about it before on my show and I said that that was the last time, but then something else happened and it made me have to revisit the issue. And the issue is about, it's about Kanika Jenkins. And we're all familiar with the story, the young girl who went to a party with her so-called friends and she was found dead the next morning in a freezer by her family by the, in the hotel and no one could really give a clear-cut answer as to what happened to the girl which sent the country or at least the social media country into a frenzy it made everybody put on their best detective hat and try to figure out what happened with Kanika how did this happen she has bad friends what is going on here somebody's lying something is fishy and be that as it may, all those things are true about this situation. But my issue was that we all were getting on social media. We all were making videos. We all were touching on an issue that, quite frankly, we were going to forget about in a matter of a week or two. Because as I presently speak, there's not too many people still talking about it. But you know who's still dealing with the loss? You know who's still dealing with the tragedy that took place? You know who's still dealing with their emotions and still looking for answers? If you guessed her family, you guessed right. But that didn't stop a group of, I don't know, people on the internet who decided to, let's make a joke about this. And they started doing what's called an Irene challenge. Now, if you don't know certain details about the case. Irene was the young lady who had the reflective shades on in the room who was on Facebook Live during the final moments of Kanika Jenkins' life. And she was on this video and she was doing a Facebook Live and she was talking to people in the background and answering to people on the chat. And that was one of the first videos that came out in regards to this issue. And so... Much like everything else, the internet turned it into a joke. The internet decided to do an Irene challenge. And the fact that people thought that this was cool to do, the fact that people jumped on this bandwagon just for likes, just for some attention, just for some traction to their page, for some new followers to get a couple thousand shares, to get a couple million views, just for that, they decided to mock a girl who was in a room in the final moments of Kanika Jenkins' life. A girl who knows what happened and has yet, at least to my knowledge, has yet to come forward with those details. Who also allegedly played a part in the murder 
or whatever it was that happened to Kanika. But instead of the, the same outrage and the same people that came out and said, I care so much. I want to know what happened. I'm going to share all these clips and all these videos about what happened. And I'm going to do all my best detective work while I'm sitting on the toilet in the morning getting ready for work. I'm going to share and I'm going to put tweets together and I'm going to look up details and I'm doing everything but reaching out to the mother and offering your condolences, finding a way to get some type of help to the family, finding a way to send some type of comfort to the family. Like I always said, and I said this from the beginning and I'm saying it now, if you really cared about this case, if you really cared about this issue, those are the things you would do because playing detective on social media is not getting the family any of the answers that they want. It's not getting the the family any closer to getting any t- sort of closure about this. And the bottom line is the same, the way that this case is going to disappear from our thoughts and disappear from our memories in a week or two weeks or a month from now, her mother, her sister, her cousins, her father, whoever she was close to, they're going to be dealing with this for the rest of their lives. But it's a joke to a lot of people. It's a chance to promote your mixtape. It's a chance to get on the internet and get some new followers. It's a chance to get on the internet and have people sharing your videos and getting you a couple million views so you can get that almighty dollar from Facebook or Instagram because you have a certain amount of likes, because you have a certain amount of views on your video, because you have a certain amount of clicks to your page and a certain amount of shares. Congratulations, you've gone viral off the backs of a tragedy. And it wasn't just the Irene challenge. It's the fact that I even saw someone make a fake page and make a fake confession as to what happened. As this as if this is just a big joke, as if this is some type of funny story that we're seeing on one of these detective shows that we like to watch. And that, my friend, is the good thing, is the bad thing about the Internet. You see, the Internet gives everybody a voice. It gives everybody a chance to talk about and get things off their chest and just let their opinions be known. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's the good thing and it's the worst thing about the internet and social media. Because on top of people making a mockery of Kanika Jenkins' unsolved murder, have any of us seen those videos of people blatantly wasting food and drinks? Saying this is how you eat that and this is how you drink that. And they throw it in the garbage and pour it down the sink. Meanwhile, there are entire Caribbean islands destroyed by hurricanes that just passed. Who need food, who need clean water, who need any sort of help that they can get. No, but but it's cool because everybody's doing this right now. Everybody's doing it right now. So you know, I'm, I'm going to make a video and, I, and I'm going to I'm going to pour a bowl of, of, of cereal down the drain and, and I'm going to open a, a carton of juice and pour it down the drain. And I'm going to toss a plate of food in the garbage because it's funny. It, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. 
because everybody's doing it. I'm going to do this video. I'm going to send it out. It's going to get shared a couple million times. It's going to, it's going to get a couple million views and Facebook's going to come knocking on my door and offering me a check and I'm going to get sponsors. And oh my gosh, it's the easiest way to make money. It's also one of the most ignorant. Whatever happened to don't waste your food? Did anyone's mom not tell them that? Don't throw away food. Did they always go out of their way to remind you of starving kids around the country? Did they go out of their way to remind you about starving kids in different parts of the world, in your neighborhood? Yeah, but you want to get on video because it's cool. It's awesome. Let's get on video and waste food knowing that there's no fresh water in, in Flint, Michigan, knowing that the entire Puerto Rico is basically destroyed and St. Thomas and uh, Barbuda and Antigua. And I mean, there's still people in Houston that might need help. There's people in Florida that may still need help because it's cool. It's cool to waste food. It's cool to, to, to throw things down the drain for likes. That's what it's about now. That's what we're doing now. That's what we, that's how we all want to be known on social media. That's what we want to use our, our platform for. That's what we want to show the world that we can be just as idiotic and stupid as the next person by following them with, by doing one of these stupid challenges or making one of these idiotic videos of way of you wasting food. I applaud you. Yeah. You're doing a real stand-up job there. <sighs> like I said, I had a lot of stuff to get off my chest today. But before I go into that, once again, you are tuned in to Ben Talks right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I, of course, am your host. I am Ben Lewis. And uh, if you want to respond to anything that I might have said on here you can do so by on any of my social media pages. The fastest way to get to me is, of course, Facebook. But you can get to me on Facebook at Benjamin Lewis, on Instagram at I am Ben Lewis, and also on Twitter at I am Ben Lewis. And also, if you would like to donate to Radio Free Brooklyn in any way, shape, or form, you can do so by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. And from there, you can either donate one time or make a monthly pledge. Either way, we greatly appreciate it. Another thing I wanted to get into the news that I wanted to get into that was taking place. So we've all heard about Kevin Hart's cheating scandal, right? We all know. We all know that uh, Kevin Hart was was caught cheating. We all know that he made this video and confessed to everything that took place. And he issued this apology to his fans. And he said he issued an apology to his family. And shortly after... The sex tape, the sex tape came out and the whole world saw what Kevin Hart did. Um, and he looked very happy doing it, might I add. But I do. I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm going to be on record. I'm going to say this. Kevin Hart, you cheated on your eight month pregnant wife. That's wrong. That's not right. It's not something I would do. Not in the least bit. During your, while your wife is pregnant, during the entire pregnancy, you need to make sure that you're going out of your way to be the best man you can possibly be because women go through so many things 
with their bodies while they're pregnant, emotionally, physically, mentally. So many things are going on and you need to be a, her support beam. You need to be that that rock. You need to be there to show that she's not going through it alone. You need to be there being the best version of yourself because after all, it is part of you that's in there growing. You would think a guy as old as Kevin Hart would know that, but no, he decided to go out and have a good time with another woman or two, as it seemed. And I, for one, I don't want to judge Kevin Hart. I don't want to sit here and, and bash him like some of these guys out here who have their come up off of male bashing, who make their name, make a name for themselves by doing the obvious thing and coming out and blaming men for a lot of things that go wrong in relationships. I mean, that's the easiest way to, to get a bunch of women on your side, right? Come out and say how stupid men are or come out and just give obvious advice and say all the things, the lip service that people like to hear that sounds good, the same lip service that a lot of guys use to try to get what they want and manipulate women and actually cause a lot of hurt saying things like I'm here to, you know, cherish you and all that stuff, whatever saying there are guys who will downright say whatever it is they got to say. And I'm not saying that these guys who make these videos, male bashing and coming at Kevin Hart in particular, I'm not saying that, that that's what these guys do, but I'm not a fan of judging people off of their mistakes because like people like Kevin Hart have the, misfortune of having everything that they do in the public eye which means every scandal every mistake everything that they do is in the public eye and i came on here on ben talks and i applauded kevin hart for coming forward and saying that he was sorry now he didn't have to apologize to us he didn't owe us an apology at all no he really didn't have to do that but what he did was, number one, a very strategic move from a public relations standpoint because he got in front of it. He issued the apology. He let you know that he did some things that he is not proud of. For whatever reason, he apologized. Whatever motivated the, the apology, whether it was him being extorted, whether he genuinely felt guilty, whatever it is, he came out, he made a video, he put himself out there. He made himself vulnerable and apologize to us, even though we didn't need an apology. And I am cool with that because he came forward. He put himself, like I said, he put himself out there and he showed that just like the rest of us, he has issues. He has things that he's dealing with. He has things that, you know, he has his vices. He has his flaws and he has the unfortunate task of being famous and having everything that he does put on front street. Can you imagine if every wrong thing that you did ended up in the front of a magazine? It ended up as one of the topics on a tabloid show on TMZ or one of those shows that spill tea. Could you imagine having every single thing that you did wrong put on front street? See, we have the ability as normal people, people who aren't in the public eye, People who aren't famous, we can, we have the fortunate ability to show people whoever it is, whatever version of ourselves we want them to see. 
And unfortunately, when you're famous, you don't have that ability. You can do it to an extent, but it's not going to last very long if you're someone who has flaws and vices that you're hiding. And Kevin Hart's vice is certain types of women, ones that look similar to his wife, Aniko. That's his weakness. That's his vice. That's his flaw. We all have a vice. We all have flaws. We all have things we can't resist, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. We all have them, but yet we all want to turn into saints and act holier than thou and get on our social media again and make videos and talk about how, man, Kevin Hart, you're the worst kind of person. How could you do this, Kevin Hart? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. You're so wrong. And yes, he's wrong. I'm not I'm not saying that he's right in what he did. I'm not saying it was okay. But what's not okay is for all you saints out there who want to bash him and say that he's this, that, and the third, and she needs to take him, and she needs to leave him and take him for everything he's got. Meanwhile, your man, boyfriend, or, I mean, if you've even gotten to that level, for some of you women or men too, because, I mean, let's face it, it is 2017 and women are playing the game just like men. Some of you can't even get the title of being a girlfriend, a wife, a fiance, whatever it is that you're seeking. But yet you want to pass judgment and tell Aniko what she needs to do with her relationship and her time. Meanwhile, we all going through stuff in our relationships that's not on front street. That's not in tabloids. That's not in everybody's uh, timeline. That's not all over the place that we get to deal with in peace. So I just ask that we can stop with the judgments and refrain from putting it all on, on, well, it is his fault, but can we refrain from trying to make him, paint him out to be this horrible person? After all, he let it be known. He was a cheater. He talks about it in his standup. He talked about it. He talked about it ruining his first marriage. And then he's doing it now. I don't think he ever stopped, to be honest. He might have stopped for a while because he was in a honeymoon phase. But, I mean, once that passes, you go back right, you go right back to your old antics. So I'm not going to be here judging Kevin Hart. No. You apologize. It, it takes a really big man to apologize. It takes a really big person to come forward. And like I said, whatever the motivation was behind it, there are people who will be proud right down to the very end. And whether they're wrong, right, or indifferent, if they need to apologize, they will not do it no matter what. So I applaud Kevin Hart for being able to come forward and put himself out there to us and put himself out there for the world to see. And you know what? I do hope that this taught him a lesson and that he doesn't go out there and cheat anymore and that he decides to stay home from now on. If they decide to stay together, if they decide to work on it, that's their business. That's up to them. It's not my place. It's not anyone's place to judge. It's not anyone's place to tell her what to do or tell him what to do or tell him that he's this type of person or that type of person. It's not anyone's place to go out there and make him seem like he's the worst person in the world because our mistakes are hidden from the world 
and no one knows about them unless we tell them. Our mistakes are not on the cover of TMZ or tabloid magazines or people aren't spilling tea or it's not part of everyone's hot topics. No, our lives are in the shadows. We make mistakes. We deal with it with those who it affected and we move on and nobody knows has a clue. And unfortunately for Kevin Hart, he doesn't have that luxury and everything he does is on front street. So you know what? I applaud you for coming forward and apologizing. And I hope that you and your family can move on. And that's all that matters. That's really all that matters. All the outside noise, all the background chatter, all the people trying to get, again, a couple million shares and a couple million views off of talking about this topic. It's unnecessary. And that's pretty much it. Now, Charles Barkley, who uh, is another person I want to get into. Not because of him necessarily, but just this mentality that a lot of older folks have when it comes to this new generation and younger generations as a whole. Now, we know Charles Barkley has been always vocal about the state of the NBA. He doesn't like that they rest. He doesn't like that they team up. He doesn't like that they don't want to team up. He doesn't like that they leave the team that drafted them. He doesn't like that they're asking for money. He doesn't like that they take private jets. He doesn't like that they have their careers. They have control of their own careers. He doesn't like that they can't foul. He doesn't like that you can't clothesline a guy when he layups. He doesn't like that you can't powerbomb a guy for dunking on your team. He doesn't like that they trash talk. Even though he would have loved all those things when he was playing. And we have this, this, uh, how should I put this? We have, we like to hold on to the past and not embrace evolution and not embrace change. The NBA is changing much to the chagrin of old guys who liked it when you could just toss somebody to the ground for trying to lay it up on your center. The guys who don't like that the players are making so much money, the guys who don't like that the players are in so much control, have so much control over their own careers. Anything that is different from how we came up, we try to reject it and knock it down and step on it and crush it as much as we possibly can, as opposed to embracing it and letting it flourish and seeing what it could possibly become. Because guess what? Things changed when we came around. Things changed when our parents came around. There were older people that were resisting whatever changes our parents had. There were people resisting whatever changes came about when our grandparents were coming up. And now we're resisting whatever changes that's coming about when these kids are now coming up. And not every change is good. I will admit that. But I'm not going to step on the evolution of society. I'm not going to step on it. I'm not going to discourage it. I want things to be different. I want things to flourish. I want people to come up with new ways to do stuff and come up with different technologies and make things more convenient and easier because isn't that what all this is about? Isn't that why phones can do more than just flip up and dial a number now? Isn't that why things are the way it is? Why there's been so much improvements in science and medicine and technology because things change and you have to embrace 
those changes. Somebody can come around after 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of doing something and say, hey, we can make it better by doing this. But yet every time something like that happens, we want to resist it. And Charles Barkley has been the main one resisting changes in the NBA in particular. Because he made some comments saying that these players are babies in regards to the schedule being spread out so they can get rest. because So they won't have to play as much back-to-backs. And yes, Charles, you had to play 82 games. You had to play back-to-backs. You didn't take charted flights. You got to fly coach. You didn't make as much money. So these guys shouldn't do it either. You had to be big, strong, physical. And these guys have to be athletic, fast, and be able to shoot. And you don't like it. It's such a big issue for you. Boo who? You talk about the fact that they're making $40 million. I'm sure there's not a check that Charles Barkley turns down. So can you give me a break talking about these players' salaries? Talking about their own private jets? Yes. Because if I'm a pro athlete and people are take being fans to the extreme like they do, I don't want to fly coach because just like you, you want to fly in peace. If you have the means to not fly with everyone else, if you have the means to just have you, your team and your coaches on a flight and your staff and some reporters on a flight, why not? Why is that such a big issue, Charles? Why is it that players are with the advancements in science? Why is it that it's such a big issue? And we all do it. We all constantly talk about back in my day, this generation. Oh, my gosh. I don't care. This is the best. And this is how it's going to be forever. The 90s were the absolute best. Nothing will ever top the 90s. All the music was the, was great. This music now is terrible. This music is like, can we give it a break? Can we let evolution take place? Because if you don't evolve, you'll get left behind. And if you get left behind, you won't survive. The, the truth is, you're enjoying these amenities that this new generation has just as much as the new generation's enjoying it. You're enjoying having the whole world in the palm of your hand from your smartphone. That's not from the 90s. That's something for the new generation. But you're enjoying it. You enjoy some of the same music that you cry about that this new generation's making that's ruining the game, that's ruining hip-hop, as if hip-hop needs to be only about selling drugs and shooting people. Now, granted, there's a lot of it talking about taking drugs, and that's an issue within itself that I feel like should be resolved or at least people should be conscious of and the artists in particular, but the style, the way these guys dress, the way these guys look, it's completely different. Times have evolved. Times have changed. You don't have to be the hardest street guy to make the best record. You don't have to wear gigantic jeans and boots that are two sizes too big and a t-shirt that goes down to your knees to look like an actual rapper. You can look like however you want to look like. And one of the reasons why I like this generation is because people 
are embracing their individuality. And I love it. People are, are more and more embracing the idea of being who they want to be and not giving a damn what you or I think about it. And that, my friend, is the key to being happy. Is living your life and making decisions and doing things that make you happy and not giving a crap who has what to say about it. Because at the end of the day, in order to make yourself happy, sometimes you got to disappoint some people. You got to break some hearts. You ever get out of that relationship that was making you so unhappy and your ex is crying and, and, and contacting you and, and making you feel like absolute dirt for leaving them, but you know in the long run it's going to give you peace of mind and your sanity. It's going to make you happier in the long run so you stick by your guns and you stick to your decisions and you see that it, in fact, was the best thing for you to do. That's what it's like. That's what life is about. You got to make yourself happy at the end of the day. You can't live to make others happy. You can't make decisions based on what other people want because they'll sit there happy as a dog with a new bone or happy as a dog when its owner comes home and you're sitting there miserable. I embrace individuality. I embrace the new generation. Be who you want to be. Dress how you want to dress. Don't listen to my opinion. Don't listen to anyone's opinion. Do what you feel is going to make you happy. Live how you want to live. Love who you want to love. Do whatever. It doesn't affect me either way. It really does not. And I'm not going to make my, I'm not going to raise my blood pressure and I'm not going to make myself miserable and walk around with a frown on my face because some kids had it easier than I did 20 years ago when I was growing up. Give me a break. Let it go. Embrace evolution. Things change. Things are always changing. Stop complaining. Find a way to adapt and let it go and move on. Speaking of letting it go and moving on, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony was traded from the Knicks to the Oklahoma City Thunder after a long ordeal that took place with the Knicks in a very tumultuous and rocky seven years that he's been here in New York. And there were, of course, a mixed bag of emotions when it comes to Carmelo Anthony finally parting ways with the worst run franchise in all of sports, in my eyes, in the New York Knicks. Yes, I said it. The worst run franchise in all of sports. And I don't understand how James Dolan is such a crappy owner for the Knicks, but yet the Rangers are a staple in the NHL playoffs every single year. And he owns them too. I don't get it. Maybe he has better guys for hockey running that organization than he does for basketball. Or maybe because basketball is such a cash cow that it is that he feels like he needs to be all up in it. So his fingerprint could be all over it, but it isn't indeed an end of an era here in New York. The one superstar that was here in my lifetime 
Now, I didn't see Patrick Ewing in his prime before you want to kill me. I didn't get to see Patrick Ewing in his prime. When I started watching basketball, it was like 1999, the Knicks were in the finals. Patrick Ewing was sitting on the bench with both his feet and two buckets of ice and ice wrapped around his knees, and the man had nothing left. And he gave everything he had to the New York Knicks and to, the New, to New York City and his fan base. And they repaid him by trading him, not letting him retire a Nick. Yes, they traded him. And then whenever there's coaching vacancies, guess who doesn't get a call? Oh, Patrick Ewing. That's right. But he's going to do fine at Georgetown. He will. But the New York Knicks have parted ways with Carmelo Anthony after this soap opera-like ordeal that he had to go through. And I, for one, will say thank you, Melo, for all your contributions to the Knicks over the last six years. You came and gave it your all, game in and game out. And you were repaid by having six coaches in six years. That's right. When he got here in 2011, since then, he has had Mike D'Antoni, Mike Woodson, Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, Jeff Hornacek. I know what you're thinking. Oh, there's no continuity. Yep, there is no continuity. You show me an organization, you show me a team, you show me a player that has been able to put up the same numbers consistently like Carmelo Anthony has been able to do while having six different coaches. Essentially having a different coach every year that he's with the organization. You show me a player that can still come in and give you 25 points a game, five rebounds, or six or seven rebounds every single night while there's utter chaos and dissension around him and the organization that he's playing for. But no, as Knicks fans, the one thing we get from the trade, Carmelo Anthony screwed us over. Are you serious? Do you not understand how pro sports works? It is a business. It is a business that makes it seem as if the players need to be loyal right down to their core because of the fans. And I will say this, in this New York fan base, we are some of the most critical people. We are, we are the most critical fan base in all of sports, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the, the Knicks, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Jets or the Mets or the Rangers or the Islanders. We are the most critical fan base in all of sports. How could you part your lips and say that Carmelo Anthony screwed the Knicks over when all they gave him for wanting to be a New York Knicks was six coaches in six years. You show me a superstar that can that can constantly, consistently give you the same stat line while there's turmoil and dissension going on around him. Please tell me. I'll wait. There's not a single one. You can't win when you have a different philosophy every single year. You can't win when the team hires a president and a general manager that wants to get rid of you, but inexplicably signs you anyway, and then gives you a no trade clause, and then goes, takes every opportunity he can to down talk you and drag your name through the mud. But he screwed the Knicks over by not opening up his trade list and being a, and agreeing to go to any team that wanted him. No, I'm not helping you out, New York Knicks, because you didn't do a damn thing to help me out in my six years. 
I have no problem with Carmelo Anthony not wanting to, to only restricting his trade list to first one team, the Houston Rockets, and then opening up to another two teams, the Cavaliers and the Oklahoma City Thunder, to where he eventually landed. I don't know how you can part your lips and say that Carmelo Anthony screwed anyone over. When he has not been given a stable direction to try to go in the entire tenure of him being a New York Knick. Some of you fans have some audacity. Why the hell should he say, trade me to what's going to make the franchise best in the future? I don't give a damn about the franchise because it is a business at the end of the day. And as a pro athlete, you need to look out for self because these these franchises, that's exactly what they're going to do. The minute that you can't sell tickets anymore, the minute that you can't score 25 points a game anymore, they're getting rid of you. They're cutting you. They're releasing you. They're sending you to Siberia. They're sending you to a franchise that has no chance of winning to let you waste the rest of your days of your career. I have the choice to direct where I land next to try to go to a contender and I'm going to say that you can open up. I'll, I'll, I'll go to any team that you want me to as long as it sets you guys better up for the future. Well, that's not my job. I'm a player. I play basketball. And I want to play basketball for a contender. That's what I want to do. I don't give a damn what you need to do, what you got to do. And I don't give a damn what shape the franchise is in after I'm done. You guys got some nerve getting at Carmel Anthony talking about he screwed over the Knicks. Some damn nerve. The man had six coaches in six years. One year they're competing for the playoffs, the next year they're rebuilding. And then they're competing for the playoffs again. No, we're rebuilding. A team that can't even make up their damn mind in what direction they want to go. And all you got was a guy who gave you 25 points a night, six rebounds every single night, constantly hit big shots, played through injuries, played through pain, refused surgeries to play, to be on the floor, refused to leave. And free agency didn't want to leave, came back to this to this mess of a franchise. And you're going to open your mouth and say that Carmen Anthony screwed the Knicks over because he didn't let them trade him to any damn team in the league that had no shot of making the playoffs. After I spent six or seven years of my life missing the playoffs and being the bottom feeders of the league, and I'm going to let you trade me to another bottom feeder. Save it. You do what you got to do, but send me to a contender. And I don't care what, it's not my job to look out for the franchise. It's your job as a general manager. It's your job as the owner. It's my job to put myself in the best position as a player to succeed. Ungrateful fans. I can't believe it. (sighs) It seems like my time here on Ben Talks is over. Um, Those of you tuned in, thank you for tuning in to Ben Talks right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I will speak to you guys next Monday.